Welcome to the South Plains Church of Christ podcast. To stay up to date on what's going on and how you can be involved, visit southplains.org. I pray that this message reveals God's truth and love to you today. Let's dive in. If you would stand with me this morning and just listen to the words of Deuteronomy chapter 6. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all of your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength. These commandments that I give you today are to be on your hearts. Impress them on your children. Talk about them when you sit at home, when you walk along the road, when you lie down, and when you get up. Tie them as symbols on your hands and bind them on your foreheads. Write them on the door frames of your houses and on your gates. And the church said, please be seated. So it was one of the most awkward Thanksgivings uh, the Fraze and Mazingo family have ever had. We had a family meeting. Now, I don't know if you've ever had a family meeting. Um, usually something happens, and it's of such great nature. We've got to get everybody together, and we've got to have this awkward circle. Well, something awkward happened, and um, I guess when you don't have parents and the children are now running the family, we had a great idea. After the Thanksgiving dinner... Um, we're going to gather in the living room and talk about what happened. Now, my son had been dating this girl who's now his wife, so it didn't shoo her away. But um, we all got in this very awkward circle. And the oldest in the family said, we're here for this reason. And as soon as that happened, you could tell the body language. The, the siblings of this man, they were just irritable, you know. And it's like it was about to explode him. And my now daughter-in-law was sitting there going, what is happening? I, what is going on in this family? And I'm winking at her like, it's going to be fine. It actually ended up being one of the coolest experiences. And afterwards, I asked her, I said, so uh, what did you think about that? And she said, y'all talked about stuff. That was amazing. You didn't just stare at each other and have that weird, awkward, passive-aggressive, see you next year. You actually dealt with it. And there was an authenticity. And she liked it so much, she takes the name phrase. So, I mean, that's good. There was an awkward family meeting thousands of years ago when King Josiah asked the people of Israel to gather in Jerusalem. And they stood. And as the text says, they read the law. We're talking not just standing for three songs because some of you are like going, dude, John Paul's way too excited. You know, my hip hurts. I'm going to sit down. You know, I mean, I get that. They stood as they heard a book that seemed to be, I believe it was Deuteronomy, was found that had been lost. And Josiah made all the people come and gather and stand. And they would have started with such a statement from Deuteronomy 6, the Shema, the core of the Old Testament. Something Jesus would draw from in the greatest commandment and add an element of Leviticus 19. This is a significant verse. It was so significant. It was actually used as a martyr type of thing. I will give my whole life to Israel. Now, embedded into the middle of this is something that is at the core of everything that I do with research with young people is this idea that my job as an adult, especially one whose children are almost raised, I have gray hair and I'm seeing Jesus on the horizon, okay? I still have a responsibility to the youngest in my community, amen? I have a responsibility to live a life that is so fully devoted to God 
that everybody around me without question knows that I follow my God. My children, your children, everyone. There's no word in this passage for mom and dad. And I want to just start right here and let you know, moms and dads, it is not just your responsibility to raise these children. That is a weird thought that happened from 1950s to 70s in our culture. It has always been God's intention that we are a family of families. My nuclear family is nestled within the family of the South Plains family. My kids would jump off this stage. Very illegal back in the day because it was high. Your kids have been raised among this environment. We're a family of families, and that should give us comfort. But it also gives us a lot of unnerving feeling because that means other people know my junk. Are you with me on that? I mean, we could tell. I bet that family had an argument when they came to church today. Look at them. They look sad. I know what's happening up in that family. Deuteronomy 6 calls us to live such a life that our families intertwine as we move our children closer to God and ourselves closer to God. That's the base of everything you'll ever hear me say when it comes to youth ministry, when it comes to family ministry. So with that in mind, I want you to think about listening. I think I'm on. Let's see if this works. Here we go. End point. Leadership begins with listening. If a leader just starts to lead without listening, it's hard to bring the whole body involved. And I love the South Plains Church because they've been listening. They actually brought me in a few months ago to listen to all the families, and we whiteboarded a bunch of stuff. And we talked about that with the leadership. Leadership begins with listening. Growing young is an interesting project. It started with Sticky Faith, which I've presented some of this before, where we found things that the kids who made it in their spiritual journey, what are those qualities? And we took those qualities and we reinvented the way that we do ministry. Carter does a lot of those things. Your children's ministry does a lot of those things. Your adult ministry does a lot of those things. But from that, we found out that there was still this missing piece by listening to churches. Because the second part of listening and a part of a leader has to do is this. You have to define reality. We're not very good with that. Because sometimes when you look at reality, you're going to see things you don't like. How many of you looked in the mirror this morning when you woke up? Now, some of you are like, I don't raise my hand here in church. I don't even clap. I mean, I heard that. Okay, I get it. But some of you probably at least walked by a mirror or your spouse made you walk through a mirror or mom, you made your kid going, do you see your hair? You go back there and change. Or you looked at someone and said, you will not wear that at church. We walk by and we see it. It's strange. As James said, to see something in a mirror and go, I ain't going to take care of that. Dude, your nose is over here. It's good. I can still breathe. Okay. So let's define some reality and what brought about me talking about growing young and why Jim would want me to share this with you. Here's the reality. One of our 16-year-olds from the research project of Growing Young said this, the only time I think about God is when I'm at church. Just think about that for a moment. If our faith is supposed to inform our decisions, our young people are saying statements like that. The only time I think about God is when I'm at church. Here's the reality. Half will either drift, but half for sure 
well, at least spend time away from faith. These are kids who grew up at South Plains, Green Lawn, Broadway, Monterey, doesn't matter, kids who grew up at the Methodist Church, Baptist Church. This is across denominational lines. We are losing half of our young people. Do you understand that? They're not going to a different denomination. They're not going over to Redeemer. They're not going over to Hillside. Guess what? Their kids are experiencing the same thing we are. They look at what we have to offer, and they're going right out the back door. Why? Because we teach them well. We have great youth centers. We have great activities. We have great ministers. Could there be something else going on? I've been meeting with four years now with a group of individuals that it's, it's kind of a unique... Um, wow, I just slipped a slide. Let's just leave that right there. I have more slides here that has a really beautiful picture, but we'll leave that. I've been meeting with a group of people, and it's really weird. It's, it's kind of the only, only kind of gathering in our lifetime that's a lot like the Nicene gathering way before we had denomination. I don't even know what, how it happened. It was just like this group, this, that, this group whose actual, it's this foundation whose president actually graduated from Coronado High School, but it's a secular group out in California that wanted to meet with all these youth leaders. So 40 of us gathered from Barna, from Orange, from Andy Stanley's church. All these guys gathered. I'm the token church of Christ, Christian church dude. We all gathered in a room and this guy said, we've done this research and guess what? We're losing half of our young people. And we're like, that's cool. We already knew that. And he goes, no, that's a million people a year. And at that rate, something's going to change because right now, if we don't bring these people back, everything's going to change in our culture. We're like, yeah, we're trying to do something about it. Here's their research. It was so unique. See, I used to think, and I've actually had bosses tell me, well, when our kids have kids, they're going to come back to church. That's our generation. We have numbers on it. We didn't. Some of your kids aren't here. We didn't come back to church. And the reality is there is not a single denomination in America that is growing. However, there are some churches that are growing younger. So we could just stop here and say, man, I'm a visitor. Thank you so much for this family meeting. I'm not going to marry this family. Y'all are jacked up. I get it. But the cool cool thing is we speak reality. And here's some things that we found out of the churches that are growing. See, growing young isn't about changing youth ministry. We've already done that. It's about changing church culture. Because as we looked at Deuteronomy 6, youth ministry is your ministry. How many of y'all are in this auditorium because an adult spoke truth into your life? Raise your hand. Raise your hand. This is when you should raise your hand. There's no other reason you're in here. If you're not raising your hand, you may be angry. Guess what? Somebody shared Jesus with you. And that's why you're here. And you're like, I don't want to be here. Well, then your spouse drug you here. I don't want to be here. It's your parents. They're giving you a really good drug problem, okay? You need to be drug here. But the fact, thank you, that was a slow 830 service. I get it. You're like, <laughs> drugs? I, okay. Know this. Youth ministry is about all of us, and growing young is about all of us. And your leadership has enough courage to realize if we're doing the same thing we've always done and our church is getting smaller, maybe we should do something else. Now, here's what we found out. 
qualities your church doesn't need to grow young. You don't need to be a certain size. You don't need to have a location or a region. Let's go to a certain part of town. You don't need to have a certain age of church. You don't need to be a certain denomination. Why? Because everybody's doing those things. Go to any church in America. I tell this to my students all the time. It's funny. You're going to have greeters. You're going to have a bulletin with the worship order. You're going to have lyrics that look really cool. You're going to have someone cool like Rob going up, Hey, man, it's good to see you today. Hey, to greet the people around you, please. It's really awesome. You're going to have now already because of COVID, we're going to break the crackers off for you so you don't have to do that either. Do you know why we do that? Because we brought visitors into our churches. And if you're not raised around church, and I love your statement on the screen, visitors, we understand. If you bring a real live uncaged person in here who's not taking communion, they have a moment of crisis when that tray with an unbroken cracker comes by. How much do I take? We brought secret visitors in the last time that um, at a church I was at, and it was funny. You watched them, and they were holding the cup, and they were holding the cracker, and there goes an empty plate. They're like, I have no idea what to do right now. We live in a post-Christian culture. Say whatever you want, but they do not understand. And some of our children don't understand. So to bring in the cool person, say, I want to be cool, and we're going to have, guess what? Everybody has a cool person. Everybody has video screens. Everybody has screens at the front. Everybody has a parking lot ministry. Everybody has children's ministry. Every, everybody's doing the same thing. What if there's something else different? Keep doing that stuff. It makes people feel welcome. But what's the deal? Remember, growing young is not about youth ministry. It's about changing church culture. So when we looked at these churches that are growing, some of them have incredible stories. There's a small church up in New York that was about to close its doors. And one lady who was a school teacher said, I'm going to start feeding the young people down in the basement. So they started feeding the young people down in the basement. Then on Wednesday night, they're like, we're going to start having church. And the kids showed up. And all these old people were upstairs. And they started here as an instrumental church. They started hearing this. They're like, what is going on down there? And one angry man went down there and said, what are y'all doing? We're an organ people. It's funny. They have arguments too. We argue about clapping and raising hands. They're like going, we're organ people, not drum set. I mean, they're having this argument. And she's like, but they're coming. And so after a few months... They started realizing that downstairs in the basement, there were over 100 to 150 young people that this older lady, who was a teacher at their school, starts sharing Jesus. It becomes warm and authentic. So this older man came down there and looked at her and said, what are you doing? And she's like, I'm, I'm ministering to these young people. He goes, there's not enough room. Come upstairs with us. What? That church is growing. Just because... One person decided to do something called warmth, okay? Let's look at these four commitments, okay? May not be able to see that, so let me define it a little bit. When you look at the churches that are growing younger, and that doesn't mean that they're just like all filled with young people, but they're starting to turn from my shade of hair without color all the way to actual shades of dark hair, right? First of all, keychain leadership. They give young people an opportunity to be involved as full participants in the body of Christ. The reason I'm standing on this stage is some weird eldership in Louisville, Texas, let me preach. During church, real people. It was strange. Somebody tapped me on the shoulders, probably why John Paul leads singing. Empathy. 
instead of saying, this world is so different, I'm going to lock my kids up in whatever institution that protects them from the world, and we're going to live in a basement and get all of our food and just kind of stay there till Jesus comes back. Because this world's crazy. It's always been crazy. And your parents thought your world was crazy. Yes, the phone makes a difference. But empathy means, I, man, I don't know what it means to be in your world, but I want to walk in your world with you. Do you see the difference? Instead of griping about your phone, I'm going to sit next to you when you use it. I'm going to try to figure this thing out. And by the way, kids love 80s music, so that gives us a great end to be empathetic, okay? Another thing, which we do pretty well with, is Jesus' message. We don't just tell kids that if you don't accept Jesus, you're going to hell. We know that. Jesus, though, transforms lives. We experience heaven now. They want to know that Jesus makes a difference in 2022 when the world's going crazy. And if we just come to church and say, well, checked it off now. Go live your life. They don't want to compartmentalize anymore. So the churches are like, Jesus' message changes you, your marriage, your relationships, your job, all of that. It draws people in. How about warm relationships? I'm 53 years old. I lost my cool card a long time ago. I'm always misquoting things. I make fun of myself before they can make fun of me. That's a great tool, right? Warmth is the new cool. I want you to hear that. Warmth is the new cool. When a young person walks into this, and I I know this is true. If you're visiting with us, this is true about the South Plains Church of Christ. If you're young, old, black, white, tan, rich, poor, you will receive warmth when you come in here. And somebody next to you probably said something. So in case I'm a hypocrite, I want to stop for a moment and look to the people around you and be warm. Go. Just say warm. Say something. Thank you. Not to the person you're dating, Aaron, to someone else. Thank you. I think a dating couple almost kissed. I'm sorry about that. We got to have warmth. People got to feel accepted. And then the idea of prioritizing young people everywhere. If you're angry because you're like, well, I have my kids, I'm going to come to church, leave me alone, you're not prioritizing young everywhere, and you probably don't have very many people saying hello to you because you're scary. Prioritize youth. I love that noise of children in this auditorium. One of the greatest things, this is weird. We're a weird bunch. I received a phone call from a church now that he got in trouble, Bill Hybels Church, okay? And they were about to meet with him about their campuses and Kara, who leads this project, said, talk to Dave. You know, they have young people in their service. And I got a phone call. I didn't know how to answer. I talk a lot. And here was the question. We're about to meet with Bill. Um, how do y'all have young people in your service? And I'm like, I, I never had to answer that question. Because my whole life, what? We've had young people in service. What we found out in research is one of the greatest things you can do to promote spiritual growth is to have young people in service. Now, here's the greatest illustration I like to use. How many of y'all are, let's just say, tech fans? How many of y'all, you can cry, but they're winning right now. Um, how do you, what about, um, do your, are your kids tech fans? Raise your hand. How do they become tech fans? I made them. They don't have an option. I tried to make my kid a Nebraska Husker fan. I got his picture taken with the Nebraska cheerleaders. He doesn't even look at that picture. He don't even care. He chose for himself. But I tried. 
I hear so many times, well, young people don't understand what's going on in services. Then why are you making them tech fans? Because that's who we are. And I'm like, are you Christian? Then they're like going, stop talking to me. And they walk away. They may not understand anything about the songs, but they watch you singing. They may not understand anything about communion, but they watch your passion. They may not understand anything about a time of shepherd prayer, but they see your tears. Amen? Faith is caught as well as taught. It's not about a program. My kid doesn't play football well. Take him to a specialty school. Faith doesn't work like that. So we're all involved in that. And then the last is we have to be the best of neighbors because our kids are watching. If we come in here and we talk and we have a good community, but this community, think of the words of Jesus, do not bless the community around us. It discredits it all. So the churches that are growing are on that will. And they do those type of things. So just for fun, church summary scores. Every church has ever taken a thing called the Growing Young Assessment. Thousands now have over the last few years. We don't do very good with letting our young people have a voice. We don't do very good with understanding their world. We're pretty good at talking about Jesus. Yay! That's good, okay? But everything else is in this middle area. You kind of hit or miss as far as warmth, prioritizing, and being good neighbors. For sure, we're better, right? I just completed this last year a meta-analysis of our denomination compared to everybody else in America. There it is. It looks the same, doesn't it? It looks the same. So I'm about to hit you with a fire hose really quick. The leadership knows this, and we're going to slow down to land this plane. We've got about five minutes. I want to let you know that because we're not going to go over. Keychain. If I want young people to be involved, and I want to usher them in, one thing that we don't do very much of anymore, and it's still a big idea, is leadership training for Christ. Why? We are training young people from an early age to use puppets, to use drama, for women to read scripture, for women to preach, for all this, all of this stuff, and we give them medals. But when they get to the age of accountability, you see none of them on the stage. We're setting up our own church divisions. We're teaching them how to lead and then not giving them opportunities to lead. And guess what? They're like, why did you teach me this in the first place? Well, it's a fun little activity. They don't want fun activities. They need to be spiritually formed. If we're using these creative talents in church, fine. If we're not, we need to stop creating opportunities for our students to learn creative talents. Don't do it. Because all they're going to look for is avenues to actually use the things you've taught them to do, right? So that's not keychain leadership. What we need to do, and we all are doing this here, by the way, is you need to incorporate students into appropriate areas of leadership as full participants. I remember when I was at the Hills, and I'll go ahead and mention that, it's a large church, and, and they love to bring their kids in front of them and just applaud them that they're going on a mission trip. And I'm like, we're not going to do them anymore. No more applause. And they started praying for the young people with the adults. Here's who's out in the mission field. And it began to make a difference. So when a student came up, it was funny. They were dressed in their very best. They were having a candlelight service. Beautiful two little kids. And they were going to read the scripture, and I looked at them in front of their mom and dad. I said, Thank you so much for doing this. This is so special. You will receive no applause today, and I don't want you to be disappointed. And their parents are like, <laughs> my grandparents are here, is what they're thinking. And I'm like, here's what you're going to do. You get to lead the entire assembly in front of the presence of God, and their eyes just got big. 
they got it. So they walked out on that stage and they read the scripture and there was no applause and they felt included, not on show. Do you see the difference? These kids receive enough applause. They want warmth and inclusion to know that they're part of the assembly. It's a big deal, right? Um, Let's look at warmth. Ask a diverse group of church members to evaluate the warmth. Y'all are doing that. We've done that. Evaluate the leadership structure of your church. Does it look like your community? You've done that with your leadership. We need to look like our community and our leadership. Um, Evaluate the care given to church members. This is rough. Is it equitable to reflect bias? Does everyone get shepherded the same? Just look around and see. That's an important question. Because when you can answer those questions, the warmth starts to increase. Do I just talk to John Paul? Or do I talk to someone who doesn't get to say hello every morning? What's going to happen when we go to Bible class? Do you talk to your people or all people? Because if you don't talk to all people, you're not going to be very warm and your class is not going to grow. Is it rocket science? Nothing is like, why did we bring this guy in? You know, good neighbors. One thing that we do better than anyone else is missional emphasis. Better than any denomination in America. We are outward in our focus. The same passion for sending missionary out, we need to realize that there's an inward mission with the people in the pew next to you. You need to understand that. There is missional for that. Evaluate the leadership structure of your church again. Does it look like the surrounding community? Because they can help you reach the next generation. And these two things are rough, but it's all over the research. We've got to have a passion for people over politics. And race matters, folks. That's warmth. That's being good, <clears throat> good neighbors. Change is difficult. Got to articulate it. You got to use numbers and you got to draw the lawn like I'm doing. We got a million young people that are wasting away. Some of those are going to include your grandkids. So if I want things the same way that I want the same things, guess what? Just keep saying goodbye. You got to draw the line and realize we have to change something. Invite the entire church into the process. You're going to educate, evaluate, empower, change one thing at a time, evaluate, tell the story, repeat. This is the stuff that we know how to lead a church forward. So what happens? Because y'all have gone through some things. There's two things that happen. I do consultations all over the United States. And here's the deal. It starts with trust. If you don't trust the process and the motivation behind it, it's not going to work. Trust between leaderships, trust between flocks. Do you really think people just wake up one day and say, let's see how we can change everyone and run everybody out. I mean, let's see what we can do, right? Okay, change communion crackers. Let's go. No one here does that. No one in any church that I know of in America does that. They're trying to lead. The other thing, and I think it's bigger than my life, if I can be honest, we have eye problems. I mean, I wear readers, but I'm talking about eye problems. I don't like it because it's not the way that I experienced it. My generation is the generation caused most of the problems in the church today. Do you realize that? Because we have kids and we're panicking because our kids don't seem to know Jesus. So we want to go back to the way that we used to do things. Some of the older saints in the audience know enough because y'all are the ones that are pioneers. And you change and you're like, what do we need to do to bring in young people? It's my generation. Let me talk to you for a second. No one has it out for us. But the idea of the big youth rally with a thousand people, they don't even exist anywhere in America. 
The youth ministry that we knew, the culture that we knew, we're not doing ministry to that culture. So we've got to be less about I and more about us. There's a lot of songs I don't like. This whole days of Elijah, all these young people dancing around, clapping, spinning around, doing an 80s dance move like they're riding a horse. I'm like, are you kidding me? I just sit there and go, I don't like it. But I let them do it. I don't have to like it. Kids go nuts. Some of you know Thomas A. Duddle leads worship for Encounter. He does this thing. It's called, I call it the Thomas like thigh clap. And when he starts doing that encounter, kids go crazy. I'm like, fine, I'm going to clap up here. You can have your thigh clap. I don't say that out loud. I'm not going to like everything because it's not. I want you to look at this statement. I read it by a real theologian. Church is not about you. It's about us for them. You see that? You're like, well, this is not the way my grandparents liked it. Guess what? They're not here. Well, this is not the way I liked it. Guess what? Stamp Baxter Quartet music was smuggled on the buses at Harding University because that director smuggled by people who were founding faculty at LCU, like Lester Perrin and all these guys. They smuggled that stuff on there because four-part harmony, Stamp Baxter was from the devil. And some of you were like, please, John Paul, give me a little Stamp Baxter, right? We all have changes. It's not about me. It's about us for them. I want to show you this as we land the plane. You can't see it. i got to get my readers on so I can read it to you. This has been on my desk since I started ministry in 1989. It's taped on my desk. Theologically, I changed it, and I put, instead of your, I put the church because I was a real Christian. But I'm going to read it the way L.A. McDonald meant. This has been something that I've kept in the back of my mind when things change after three decades of ministry. If you want to work in the kind of church, like the kind of church you like, you needn't slip your clothes into a grip and start on a long, long hike. You'll only find what you left behind, for there's nothing that's really new. It's a knock at yourself when you knock your church. It isn't your church, it's you. Real churches aren't made by men afraid lest somebody else goes ahead. When everyone works and nobody shirks, you can raise a church from the dead. And if while you make your personal stake, your neighbor can make one too, your church will be what you want to see. It isn't your church. It's you. I travel a lot. And I go to places... That would be considered liberal, churches that are conservative. But it is so awesome to be able just to to take communion and be part of those moments. Our ministry to our young people, the kids we are raising, the the kids that are your grandkids. I, I, I have a grandkid now. It's awesome. And I look and I'm like, I want a body to belong that will embrace my little Olivia Rose and embrace her like I was embraced. It's about us creating that environment. That's what growing young is about. It is not a worship style. It is not a ministry style. It's not a building style. We're all doing the same thing. What growing young is, is to change the way that we think. 
to look for opportunities to include young people, to empathize with them, to be sure they know the pure gospel, to provide warmth for them, to look at them and know their name and let them participate among us. Then take what we experience here and do it out there. It's not rocket science, and it takes no change in anything you're doing in your programming, but it puts you in the seat to say, you are the church for us, for them. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for this time of a family meeting. And whoo, Father, we, we don't want to lose our young people. And Father, we're all passionate about so many things, but I pray that this day we will stack hands one more time on the idea of a healthy community, a warm, empathetic, involving young people, gospel-centered, one that loves our neighbors. Father, let us be that body of Christ. Father, would you bring growth to the South Plain Church, not for their glory, but for your glory? Will those in the audience who thought they just had a really weird, awkward moment in this family meeting, would you let them know deep inside how beautiful this community is and how much they want to talk about these things because they want to be authentically your people in the best commercial possible for what it means to walk with your son? Through Jesus we pray. Amen. Thanks for listening. Again, I want to encourage you to visit southplains.org where you can find all sorts of information, including how to contact us and how to request prayer. Thank you for joining us. Thank you.